It's my privilege to introduce to you our speaker, Pastor Ricky Long, this morning. Now, Ricky, I first met Ricky. He's a young man, and I, I can say, you know, anybody that's younger than me is a young man. But he's definitely a young man. Um, I think he's like 29 years old. Is that right? Um, it was 10 years ago that I first met him around that time, um, right in this room. Uh, there's a ministry that we have that's uh, called Access. It targets 18 to 25-year-olds. And at the time, I was like the senior leader over that area and worked with the pastor there, Pastor Blake McDaniel at one time, and then Pastor Kurt Ains, and then currently Pastor Jake Blaukamp. And uh, Ricky is just a man after God's own, after his heart, uh, just like David was. And uh, he's, he's just a hungry guy spiritually. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that. And um, he, he's just on fire for God. And I've just seen so much growth over his life. When I met him 10 years ago, he was a young single man, younger than he is today. Um, his, over those 10 years, had gotten married, uh, three boys already. Uh, raising sons. Um, he did an internship with Access, uh, serving, did just an awesome job. And uh, it was about four and a half, going on almost five years ago, that he was part of the worship team as a volunteer and uh, singing at one of the Sunday morning services. And we had an opening in the First Impressions Department, and that's our ushers, greeters, uh, the guys that serve in the parking lot, and gals. Uh, driving the golf carts and directing traffic and things like that. And uh, God just put on my heart, uh, talk to Ricky about that opening. And uh, a lot of you remember Pastor Eric separately was leading the charge in that area, and now Ricky is. Um, and uh, I talked to him like between services right in the choir room, and it kind of blew him away um, that I would think of him, but uh, took a couple months with the interview process and stuff, and... Uh, we knew that he was the guy, and uh, yeah, he's been doing an awesome, awesome job, and just love this guy. Ricky, I'm very proud of you, personally, and I believe we're proud of you, so uh, give it up for Ricky. Welcome him as he brings the word. Yeah! If I could just have you guys every morning as I get out of bed, I just, I'd be ready to go every day. Um, funny, like, it's super cool. Pastor Tom, thank you for sharing that. Um, for, for me, I don't know if he knew this, and I don't know if I ever told him, but right at the time he actually approached us a month and a half before that, my wife and I were praying. She came up to me, she said, hey, I want to start a family. And I was like, not with what I'm making, me." Um... <laughs> But uh, we just trusted. We were like, okay, if that's the case, we're praying for promotion where I'm at because I love what I did or completely something different. And a month and a half later, Pastor Tom came up and did his thing. And I was like, hey, he's was, he was like, pray about it. You know, get the peace of the Lord. I was like, sure I will. <laughs> you got it. Hey, babe, we're saying yes, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, Pastor Tom, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, such a blessing to be here. Um, and just super excited to, to share the word with you guys this morning. Uh, today we're going to be talking in Matthew 4. It's the, you know, the encounter that Jesus has right after he does his fast, right? And the, the, the devil is trying to do his thing on the prowl, and, and he comes and tries to catch Jesus at his weakest moment, 
right? And uh, so I'm just going to read through verse 1 through 11 real quick here. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scripture says, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him and said, uh, he took him to the holy city of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hand, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responds with, The scripture also says, you must, test, or you, might, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I'll give this all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, because he's a little punk, and angels came and took care of Jesus. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. So that's where we're going to be camping today. Um, Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are present. Your word says we're two more gathered in your name. You are in our midst. Lord, I thank you that we can be here amongst men, amongst our brothers, and have conversation and grow. God, I thank you that Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I thank you for the growth that takes place here. I thank you for the learning and growing, for the reloading that takes place, Lord. And above it all, Lord, as I deliver this word, Lord, I thank you that you must increase and I must decrease, Lord. It's not about me. It's not about what I have to bring to the table. Jesus, this is all about you, and I thank you that you are bringing revelation to men here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I wanted to start off with the title that I have. I'm not even sure if it's up there. It doesn't have to be. It is Know Your Right, Not Your Claim, okay? Um, in, this, in these past couple years, um, there's been a lot of claims made. A claim is made to assert something that it, that is the case, typically without providing evidence and or proof. A right is something that is true or correct as fact, right? You know, as I'm hearing the definition of a claim, for me, it sounds more like an opinion than anything. And I don't know about you guys, but again, in these past couple years, there's been a lot of opinions thrown out there. Um, regardless of where you're at, on what end of the spectrum of politics or even in faith, right? People have made claims and, and, and their opinion and what they receive as, as revelation, this is what is. Um, has any one of you guys in the last year and a half had friends who've said, hey, we're no longer friends because of what you believe? Hey, come on now. That's right. I was thinking it was just me, right? I'm like, hey, I thought we were friends. I'm like looking up people to say hi to them, happy birthday. And I'm like, what? What's going on? What? Oh, I'm blocked. Okay. I didn't say anything other than Jesus loves you. All right. Whatever. Um, and anyone have any uh, family members, right? Regardless, I mean, like, I mean, regardless of how you feel about it, people have just kind of said, hey, I'm taking this stance. And, and whether it's true or not, they don't know, but... This is the way that people have just accepted it. How many false truths are out there that people are believing in? How easy is it when we're not knowledgeable about something and someone comes in and states their opinion? This is, this is the dangerous 
part about this. How easy is it when, someone, uh, when we're not knowledgeable about something and someone comes in and states their opinion as fact, and without looking it up, without seeking that truth, we kind of go, yeah, I mean, that's reasonable, and you take that on. And then all of a sudden, a year later or two, you're like, that wasn't true? What? And how important it is nowadays for us as believers and as people, as men of God, to go, this is, I, I will allow this to go into my house. Well, actually, nope, I won't allow this to go into my house, right? Being guarded, saying, hey, Lord, what is true and what isn't? Even the word, right? How often, and, and, and Pastor Dwayne has encouraged us, don't take my word for it. Take the word for it. And he encourages us after the message that he's preached, after the, the scriptures that he says, go back and look them up. And, and does it say what I told you it said, right? Revelation shouldn't just take place when pastor says, uh, says something. It should be in the quiet place. It should be in the moment when you're alone with the Lord. It should be in the moment when you're, when you're there seeking after him. You know, I think of, uh, again, the false truths, right? And I don't know why, but it, it led me to this story of my son, Jedediah. He's three, he'll be four in September. Um, amazing kid. Probably one of the best kids out of three. Um, no, they're all great. I meant to communicate that they're all great, but it came out wrong. Hopefully they'll never hear this. Um, they are all great kids. But Jed's at an age right now where he's, uh, he's discovering the boundaries of things, right? And he's learning what he can and can't have, what he can say and can't say. Um, it's all his mom's fault if she says something wrong. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but the other day, man, this is probably like two, three weeks ago, I, I look at Jed, and he's kind of, I'm in the other room, and he's just kind of throwing a tantrum, and he said something to his mom, and I walk into the room, and I'm like, what did you say to your mom? And he looks at me, okay, three. I, I, he's three. So I get it. But he looks at me, and he says, Dad, I'm the boss. And I said, oh, no. And I'm like, if he, if he was joking around, okay, it'd be one thing. This kid at three years old looked at me and dead on, I'm the boss. And I showed him what the boss does, right? <laughs> three bosses later, he said, dad, you're the boss. Dad, you're the boss. And uh, <laughs> Jed learned real quick who was the boss, and he no longer questioned who ruled within this kingdom. Amen. Amen. Do not spare the rod, my friends. When you encounter a truth, let alone the truth, anything contrary to that truth can't help but fall away. The devil tempted Jesus by distracting him with the three things in my mind that I saw. He wanted Jesus to question the provisions of his needs, of his health, and most importantly, his identity. If you are the son, he starts to ask Jesus in all these moments. And I love how every time Jesus responds with the truth of the word, right? When you know the truth of something, everything else just falls away. It, 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 it can't, it's, it's like oil and water, or gas and water, or oil and water. It just, they don't mix. Jesus knew the truth. Jesus had a relationship with the truth. Jesus was the truth. When the devil came with that counterfeit truth, or that false truth I had mentioned earlier, Jesus stood his ground. You know, I... I I read, like, I went through a couple different um, versions, and the Amplified version is probably my favorite one of this story, because every time Jesus rebuttals, he says, it is written and forever remains, is how it says it. And so he's like, 
look here, dude. All right. I know what the truth is, and it's always going to stay the truth. And for me, sometimes I, I don't know about you guys, but when I read this before, it was kind of like a, a Jesus was like, Ugh, and he kind of just, you know, rebuttaled and, and, and I knew he was confident, but at the same time, it was just like in like an urgent reply. But I'm like, Jesus was cool, calm and relaxed. I believe wholeheartedly because he knew the truth. When you don't know the truth, anything that comes at you, you have to question combat because you're, you're worried that, that this might question at the very core of who you are. Because if this isn't true to what I believe, then, then all is shattered, right? But Jesus knew the truth. And for me, it just changed the way that I looked at it. I was, I was doing a little study on this, and the person had mentioned, oftentimes we think Jesus was on the, the defense when you walk into this place. Or when you when you get into this scenario, but we we don't we kind of skip through and go over the then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and in my mind, that says he was looking for the devil, he was looking for the enemy because he knew what he would the enemy would try to do, and instead of waiting, Jesus was like, no, let's find this little punk and let's handle him, right? So Jesus comes up and says, no, even in my vulnerable moment, right, even in my weakest, you don't stand a chance, devil. And I think to myself, well, God, why do you even have to be tempted in the first place? And then in, in Hebrews, I pulled it up on my phone. And I love the Passion Translation. In Hebrews 2, 17 through 18, it says, this is why he had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before God. As the one who removed our sins to make us one with him, he suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. So when we think temptation, we think that, that, that you know, you hear these three, and, G, and, and the devil says, I'll, I promise to give you everything, right? Temptation, okay, like, for me, if I can be honest as a man, I never struggle with looking at women wrong or any like that. <laughs> that is so false. And I think about in every way, it says in every way he was tempted, every test and temptation. So I need you to look at me real quick. Anything that you've ever endured, anything that you've ever been tempted with, anything that you've ever gone through, he did. So the next time you go through something and you say, no one knows what I'm going through, there's one who does. What kinds of things are you guys believing in? Is there biblical truth to support it? Matthew 7:11 says, "If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him?" So for me, the next step that I want to talk about is the right that we have, right? It's not because of anything you and I have done. Can I get an amen to that? It's everything that Jesus did. So when he promises, if you then, though, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, I, will, the, will the Father give you in heaven? 
I'm like, Lord, I give my, I give my son a Ferrari. No. <laughs> but I never, ever want my kids to not know who they are. I never not want my kids to have good things, right? I never not want my kids to struggle, even though I know that one day they will. But I, as a father, will be there for them. And if, if, if that's me, how much more does God want for me? How much more does God want for us, right? And so I've been really, in, 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 in the right and in the truth that I've been leaning in as of late, is God wants me to succeed. I'm not... God, also, God wants me to succeed. He also told me that there would be troubles in life. And I can call on him in those troubles, right? So we're not promised as believers. We're not, as the moment we become Christians, like there's this bubble around us that trouble just bounces off of us, right? Um, but man, God makes it easier to endure, to go through. You know, for me, in, in, in these truths and in this, in this right that I have, becoming a believer, I've just been really trying to go, okay, God, what are the things that you are saying about me? What are the things that I can walk in that you've called over me and just walk into those truths? And since then, God has really just been changing my life. Um, a, couple, a couple months ago, I think I told you guys a little bit just about my health. So I'm looking up these decorations because I want to say these for you guys. I'll find them. I'll find them later. But in January, I went in because I thought, hey, I got three young boys. Uh, I'm not Superman. I feel like I'm in, a, I'm, I'm in a, an okay position. I used to be 330-something pounds. Now I'm 255 or something like that. Praise God. Um, and still walking that journey. But I'm like, okay, I'm doing pretty good, right? Like, And so in my mind, I'm like, I'm going in, doing the healthy stuff, and I get in there, and uh, the girl's like, hey, well, we're going to do these physicals, and we're going to do your blood work and all that stuff. And they go in, and they, they give me my blood work. Uh, a week later, I get a phone call, and she's like, hey, and I'm on my way to my in-laws. But hey, just so you know, you've been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And I'm like, what? And it was like the hardest throat punch in my life. Um, I sat there super quiet, and immediately the fear. I've, and I'm telling you guys, I believe in power of our words, right? Like what you say is a huge thing. Um, never felt anything like any, any indication, never anything. The moment I heard you have type two, every little thing in my body started to twitch. Every little thing in my body started to come alive. And I I'd never felt these things before in my life. And I thought to myself, what is going on? Um, with fear came in because I it was the unknown. Never all I knew was that you'd lose a leg one day, you know, or a foot, and that was where my mind went. I webbed MD to everything. I was gonna die. Um, that's where my mind is. Right when you get a diagnosis, I'm the doctor here. Never mind, I'm not the doctor. Um, and that's kind of what was spoken over me. I started to to lean into that direction. That it just kind of got really negative and. and just to be honest with you, I got a little depressed. It was hard for me to get out of this place of wallowing, and it's just, I felt really heavy. And I remember talking to a couple buddies of mine just to, to tack, I mean, to walk life with them, and a lot of them encouraged me. One of my buddies came over, and he actually spoke truth over me. And it was, it was, it was awesome. It was great. But I just still felt, I mean, it was there. I'd be, I'd be lying to you guys if, if, if I said, oh, that's all I needed. Um, it got to a point 
were on my, I, I was going to, if, if you've been here in the last couple of months, you've heard us talk about the, the return and quest and whatnot. I was on my way to uh, the return. I was actually two weeks before, I think two weeks or a week before my return. And uh, it's it just started getting heavier and heavier. And I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm not supposed to go or um, leading up to the event. I think the day before, just being transparent and honest with you guys, I was at a place where I thought I was, I was going to die and I wasn't going to make it home. I didn't tell anybody. Um, the day before I went, I recorded four videos. Three of them were for my boys because I thought to myself, if dad isn't going to make it home, then they should at least know how dad feels about them. I believe that. I believe in a lie that I wasn't going to make it home that I was going to make it there or I was going to make it home. I believed in that lie so heavy, heavily. Um, and when I was there, God just radically changed my mindset. Um, God did an amazing thing, but it wasn't until I got back and I had talked to a health care physician in regards to my situation. And a lot of encouragement helped coming back from that event. Um, but the lady was really... The, the, the one the lady that I met with, she was so encouraging. She, uh, through, through the way that I was talking, she found out that I was a believer. And she says, if you have this attitude where you can do it and you trust in the Lord, I promise you, you can get through this. I went in, and I didn't tell you guys in the beginning. Um, so I went to get my blood work done. On a scale of 0 to 12, uh, you are supposed to be between, like, I think it's 5 or 6-something and, and, like, a 6-8 or something. It's, it's this very small window. Um, I was at an 11.7. Like I was, again, zero to 12, anything over eight, I think is considered di diabetic. Seven, there you go. Um, I was at 11.7. And the gal that I originally met with, she said, the next time you come in and check, I would be surprised every three months your blood cycle, your blood circles, um, and you get new blood cells. God is amazing in the way that he created our bodies. Um, Three months later, she said, I would be surprised if you were under 10. Like, don't, I don't, I don't want you to get your hopes up. I don't want you to, thanks, lady. Uh, I don't want you to, you know, she was like, it's just very, like, just, just be aware, you know. I was okay. In my mind, I'm like, I, I've gone from fearing this thing to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this thing out. I'm going to kick this thing's butt because I have three boys that will have a, a father that will be there with them for a long time. I'm believing I'm 110, guys. I'm, I'm believing for that. And uh, having that mindset switch um, I trust in what the Lord said over me during that time while this was going on, I kind of steered into this, this, what God has spoken over me. I started to take scripture and I wrote declarations out and I think I wrote, I read them to you guys a while back, but those declarations, I started reading them and reading them and I felt my body started to shift. I felt my body start to, to, it just started to, to be, I don't know, I, I can't even describe it, but God was at work. Um, and then I went in three months later, I think three and a half months later to get my blood work done, and the results came back at 7.7. .7. And so going from 11.7 to 7.7, .7, she was like, I don't know what you are doing, but keep doing it. This is fantastic, and I look forward to seeing your next result. Um, and that's all glory to God. That, that is nothing that Ricky did other than seek the Father and, and, and claim or, or take hold of what he's already spoken over me, right? And, you know, the 
I just, I said, Lord, I, I trust you. And, and that's what I'm going to stand on, your word. And so I started to take scripture and apply these areas. I started to speak over my body, command my body to be at the place of what God had called me at. And, and there's some of you that I've talked to outside of this that, that, that know a lot of that journey, too. And uh, it's just been amazing to see what God has done in regards to the provision, right? That was the, that was the, the tied into the story with Jesus, you know, Jesus, like his, his health, right? The I will give you, or the angels will come and they'll say, don't worry about that. Jesus like, I'm not worried about that, right? And that approach right there, I was like, Lord, I trust you with my health, Lord. His needs, Jesus trusted God with his needs. For us, we're, we're, I think I told some of you, we're in a process of moving or getting our house ready. Uh, we sold already. We bought a house already. But that journey was just an amazing journey that just has led me to believe that with the favor of the Lord, there's nothing that I can't do. Um, and I want to encourage you guys in that as well. We were looking at houses. The first house we wanted to buy um, was our friend's house. At the time, they, we, we can only go so high, and it wasn't where they wanted. And they were like, hey, well, we're going to list it, and if it doesn't work out, we'll give it to you guys. And I'm like, okay. Um, but, we, you know, things happen. It didn't go well. Uh, they, they went with someone else, which is okay. We love them. Um, but then this next house came. We're like, Lord, that's the house. Checks all the boxes. It's got central air. Amen. All you first-time home buyers, always, always, always central air. If you don't got central air, look somewhere else. I'm telling you right now. Uh, <laughs> so we looked at this house, checked all the boxes, and we're like, man, Lord, we were working with our realtor, and he was like, hey, I know the guy really well. Come Monday, we'll, we'll talk about where we're at and, and whatnot with him. Came Monday, and he's like, hey, it's going to be a little high. You can, You probably could make it, but... Um, I just don't want you to, you know, get your hopes up and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I trust you. And we didn't put an offer on it, even though it was like, it, it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. And that night after, or that that night, actually, after the offers were all due, uh, you know, all that stuff, God was like, where was your faith? The Lord challenged me so hard. He said, where was your faith? And it wasn't out of a place of condemnation. I didn't feel that. I felt the conviction. And I didn't feel like he was shaming me. I felt like he was like, Ricky, I'm there for you. Why did you act like I wasn't? And from that moment on, I said, Lord, never again will I withhold you from anything that I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after. And so I've made it a point. I made it a point to, to, to put him in everything that I did. We looked at like seven more houses. And out of those seven houses, there were like three other houses that we looked at that third house we looked at, it was one of those things that just jumped out of the screen for me. I was like, Lord, this is our house. I'm speaking it already. I haven't even looked at it yet, but God, I know in Jesus' name, this is that house. And then all of a sudden I get to one room that just solidified even more. God, this is the house. My wife does hair for a living. There's a salon room looking at me going, Ricky, I know you want me kind of thing. Um, I was like, I sent it to my wife. I was like, babe, this is the one. This, this has to be the one, it just doesn't make sense. So we're going through it. We look at we we look in the house. We're like, Lord, we just know even more that this is the house, and we are just in love with it. We start praying over it. We start praying uh, with the verbiage of God. I thank you, Lord, that everybody else is deterred because we have it already. It doesn't make sense for them to even be here. Uh, stuff like that. But as we we get the house, I see the couple, and I'm like, man, I've seen them before. And I just felt in me, I'm like, Lord, I pray for them that you provide exactly what they need, that you give them the most of what they, they need for this house. And I pray that we're the ones that do it. And if we're not the ones that do it, it's okay. Because each time, one, I didn't tell you this, but each time that we looked at a house, 
it was like God had to remind me over and over, there's always something better. Like, I got something better. As believers, right, you hear that all the time, God's got something better. You're like, ah, yeah, we have to say that. It's in our nature. It's like the moment we got baptized, that was downloaded into us when we got up, you know. You have to say, God's got something better, <laughs> right? And so I'm like, Lord, if this isn't it, I started to believe that. It, it no longer was a saying, but I truly started to believe God had something better. Because every time we looked at something different, it just got better and better. We thought our friend's house was the, was, was, was the house. It kept getting better and better and better. So here's this house. And we're praying for them. We, you know, the, the day comes, we're asking a ton of people for prayer. And the offer comes, or, you know, we put in our offer, da, 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 da. Um, we found out that we didn't get it. I'm like, what? We even found out that the house that we, the house that we were originally going to buy from our friends, they were three houses down from this house. We didn't even know that. Um, so we're like, Lord, what? Like, I, uh, what? And uh, a little disappointed, but I also was like, God, I, I trust you. Like, I'm not going to put my faith in this house. And um, so, you know, we just kind of left it at that. That was Monday. Thursday, we looked at a different house, and that house was completely done. You ain't got to do a single thing to it. I'm like, Lord, if that, if that, if that house was in it, and if this house ain't in it, God, I, pff, I give up. Because this house was just incredible. So we ended up, you know, deciding to walk through it. It, was, it, it fit all, the, the, everything what we were expecting, and it was just, it was just perfect. We don't got to do a single thing to it. And we were just trusting in the Lord. Well, that was Thursday. We were going to put an offer in that Monday. Well, Sunday, I get to church. And again, I, I'm like, when I walked to the house, I was like, I feel like I've seen him somewhere. I've, I've never encountered this. You know, all of a sudden Sunday happens. Here he is walking through like a deer. And I'm like, Lord, I'll shoot that dude. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I did go up to him. And I was like, hey, why don't you sell us the house? No, I didn't say that. Um, I came up to say, hey, you know, we were one of the guys, uh, we were one of the couples that wanted to buy your house. He's like, yeah, we knew. We found out that it was you. We really wanted to pick you guys, but, you know, we wanted to do what was best for our family. And I was like, we were praying that you guys would do what was best for your family and that you guys would get the most out of it. You know, we were, ble- we were praying for you guys. We were blessing you guys from afar and, and, and I'm glad that you guys, because we found out that they were moving to Florida and all these things like that, moving their family there. And we were like, man, we were praying for that, that this journey is going to go well. And he's like, dude, thank you so much. That means a lot. His wife messaged me on Facebook like a couple hours later after church. I'm like, whoa, like what's going on? And she says, hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for reaching out to my husband. Um, I appreciate that so much. I was like, yeah, I mean, no problem. She goes on, she says, "Um, I've been having a tough time with the offer that we've accepted all week. It just didn't sit right with us. And last night, Saturday night, I had this dream that a couple walked up to us and I had to apologize to them that we didn't sell them the house. But they in return said, don't worry about it. God actually provided something better for us. And it fits our family much better. Thank you. And she said, I woke up that morning. I woke up this morning feeling confident. And then here you are saying that to my husband. And it just, it just told me, it was confirmation for me to let go of it. Because I knew that God has you guys covered. Um, and so it's just like God and his faithfulness, right? Well, this comes around Monday. We're like, okay, game time. We do our offer and all that stuff. We put it up. And we found out that one of the, we're one of the three offers on this house. And I'm telling you guys, we don't have to do a single thing to it. Um, we, we were, we're one of the three offers. We, uh, we had a contingent offer. And so it was on the, we had to sell our house before we, you know. 
and we didn't even sell our house yet. Like we didn't close on our house or anything like that. And so um, now, like with the market the way that it was, it just doesn't make sense to take an offer like that when there's a, a sure bet, right? So just numbers sake, I, I'm I'm not even ashamed to say the numbers because glory to God, 340 was where we were at with a contingent offer. Okay, so basically ball and chain on my ankle. Here's my offer, right? And this other couple had put $300,000 on them cash. Who's walking around with $300,000 cash? I want to know you. I want to be your friend. Um, just, but I wanted to put that in perspective for you guys because the realtor that I was working with said, it doesn't make sense because if I was them, I would encourage my buyer to take that offer, or my seller to take that offer instead. And he was like, you are operating in the favor of the Lord. And when he said that, obviously God was reminding me of it, but when he said that, it just, it's, it's one of those, uh, you know, after, after you, you, you're like, dude, I operate in the favor of the Lord. I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I'm saying this because God be the glory. It had nothing, it had zero to do with Ricky Lawn. He had everything to do with the provision of God. Because again, in the way that the world works right now, it does not make sense that we came in with the way that we did. It doesn't make sense. Um, but God, but his favor. I say all these things in these stories and these testimonies to you because I believe that we have a right. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I wish I could tell you I came up with that. That's in Philippians 4.19. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God's feed them, and how much more valuable you are than the birds. I wish I could tell you I wrote that. But Jesus did through Luke in 12.24. Psalms 23.1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Romans 8.32 says, He did not spare his own son, but gave, up for all of us, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give all things? After all these scriptures I read to you, I want to make one thing clear. Are you seeking him? Because in Matthew 6, it says that as you seek the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. What are you, what are you searching for? What are you seeking after first? What's your priority right now? That's the challenge I want to ask you. You know, I'm, I'm brought, I was talking to someone about this, and we were having a conversation about all this and how it kind of brought us back to the story of Eve. When we don't have a relationship with the Father, we can lose sight of who we are and look to the world to find what he's already given us. The devil approached Eve and told her, you won't die, right? After Eve told him that God said not to touch it, he proceeded to tell her that God knows that your eyes will be opened, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The problem with this is that in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Girl, you were already like him. What are you talking about? But when you don't have a relationship with the Father, when you don't know that truth, anything that comes at you, any opinion, any claim, if you're not guarded in truth, you are susceptible to any lie, any opinion, any claim. But when you know your birthright, 
when you know who you are and whose you are, none of that matters. When you know you're right, what you already have in the name of the Lord, any claim that says otherwise does nothing but drops like the very leaves during our fall season, only to be swept away, know you're right. A couple of things, a couple little remarks before we take off here. You have the right to be free. In John 8, 36, it says, therefore, if son makes you free, or the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You have the right to be healed. By his stripes, we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5. You have the right to prosper. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. You have the right to never fear again. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. Those are just a couple things, a couple rights that I want to leave you guys with today is that all of us, all of you, us, me, we have a right to these things, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus said and what he came to do. So Jesus, Lord, I thank you that you are present. I thank you that you are here. God, I thank you for the free gift of salvation. I thank you that it's not by us and what we did, but it's all because of you. Lord, I thank you that at the end of the day, you get all of the glory. And Lord, I don't want to act like everyone here is a believer and they know who Jesus is. Lord, I thank you that if you are in this room right now and you have not accepted Jesus, Jesus is waiting for you. He's not a He's not aggressive in the sense that he'll attack you and ask you to, to say yes to him. He's a gentleman. No one's drawn to the Father except through the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know who Jesus is and you want to know him, come find me after, and I'd love to pray with you. But God, I thank you, Lord, for these men. I thank you that there is a place that is provided for us to grow, learn, and seek after you with other men, God, who might be going through what we're going through, who might not be going through what we're going through, but I thank you that this is a safe space for us to be able to come and learn and grow. God, I thank you that you are equipping men to change the world. God, I thank you that we all get to be a part of that. I thank you that we can lead our households well. I thank you, Jesus, that you've called us to conquer. I thank you that we can take ground in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be on the defense. We don't have to be on the offense. I thank you that we have you in every situation. In Jesus' name we pray.